evening, everyone. It's great to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? My name's Rion. Um, I'll be sharing the word this morning. Andre, Pastor Andre's in, in Joburg, and um, he sends his love. I mean this evening. It feels like a morning eh, when you've been in church the whole day. Um, but we had a great service this morning, so I encourage you to download it. Um, it was really a challenging one. But this, this evening I'm going to speak on never losing your hope. So I trust um, this message is as much for me as what it is for each and every one of you this evening. And I know there's a lot of you sitting here in different situations in terms of hope. Maybe you've lost your hope um, for a loved one that you've been praying for, for God to heal, and it just hasn't happened, and the enemy's come and robbed you of hope in that situation. Maybe you're sitting here this evening, and you're a businessman, and the big business plan and deal that you've had has never come through, and um, your hope is lost in that situation. So there's many different areas that I'm going to speak into this evening, and I'm trusting this evening for God to just unlock that area and for his Holy Spirit to deposit fresh hope in that area. And I'm going to give a testimony, a personal testimony just now of how God uh, came through for me in a hopeless situation. But before I get there, I just want to read something. Someone said, if we lose our hope, we tend to lose our perspective of the goodness of God. I want to read that again. If we lose our hope, we tend to lose our perspective of the goodness of God. Now we know about the goodness of God. We hear a lot of preachers preaching about the goodness of God. But the thing is, if the enemy comes and robs us of our hope, the goodness of God, you know, if we're facing something and we don't have a hope in that situation, the enemy comes with his lies and then we can't, we even forget about the word of God, what it, what it says about all the scriptures that talks about hope, etc., etc. In our world today, you know, we're sitting in our world today and I've written a few things down and there's many, many more challenges that we face every single day, every second of the day. We live in a world that is losing more hope each and every day. Not so. You just have to switch on that little square thing called a television or plasma or, or, or whatever you've got. And the news will tell you negative stuff continuously. Not so. A world and a country that we live in, South Africa, that many say, and if you look at the political situation, they say it is a hopeless situation. It is a hopeless situation. A political situation that we've got fighting, infighting, that's causing people that are lost to become more hopeless. The poor to become more hopeless. People losing their jobs, uh, unemployment rate in South Africa, the statistics now currently the last week are in excess of 28% of the working population is unemployed. Would you not so, say that that 28% is in a hopeless situation? Evil people seem to be succeeding in this day and age. Evil people that run countries for their own wealth and just to lift themselves up seem to be succeeding and nothing seems to happen to them. They don't seem to be toppled. The stock market falls. The rands fluctuations. I'm just painting this picture, okay, so don't get out any knives yet. Okay. Natural disasters. If you look at the different things that are happening in the world, there's a quickening within the world. The Bible says, look up because your redemption is near. The signs and wonders and times are around us. Uncertainty in what the future holds for our children or for our children's children, the next generation. 
So darkness seems to be overcoming the light. But my message tonight will tell you and prove to you in the word of God that that is not so. We have a redeemer called Jesus Christ. And he is the one that releases hope in every single situation. There's no situation with him that is hopeless. He doesn't use the word hopeless. If I look at my my life and uh, while I was preparing this a week or two ago, I actually had to come before God and, and ask for forgiveness in areas of my life that I had lost hope. There's certain things that I'm trusting in, in my family specifically. I'm not going to go into details. But I'd lost hope in that area. You know, I, I'd been trusting him and standing on things and trusting that things will change. But time goes on and things don't change as quick as what you want them to and you lose hope. I'd I'd repent. In my business, there were certain things that I was losing hope on. So the enemy comes often and attacks us and robs us of of hope. And I'm going to give you a story now of me. About seven years ago, I was faced with a situation out of my own doing that, that led to me uh, being fired from, from the work that I'd been working in for 20 years. I'd built up quite a good career. I was living in Queenstown. And at that stage, I was, I was in the church, and it was like so good this morning to be challenged about sometimes on the outside, guys, we, we are presentable as Christians. You know, you know what I'm saying? But God, he's not cared about the outside. He's cared about the inside. He's cared about what's going on here. You know, the the message this morning was about, are you holy as God is holy? That's, that's the holiness that he's calling us to, that, that place. So God looks on, on, on the inside. And at that stage, like I said, I had lost my job and I had a family to support and a bond to pay, etc., etc. But I lost my hope in, in God restoring the situation. I lost my hope in, in God coming through and doing a miracle, just like we sang tonight. I thought this is a dead end. Who, after working for 20 years with certain things that had happened in my life, and, and who would want to employ me? I'm unemployable. And the enemy attacked me with this. I was a Christian then, and I went through deep depression, like, 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 like uh, people can experience in this room if they're in the same area. Depression is something that is difficult to come out of. And I remember the hopelessness came and had its way with me for a couple of weeks until one day that I decided this is the day I'm going to commit suicide. I was lying in my bed that morning, and I'll never forget it. I had everything planned. It was like playing through my mind as if it's a reality that's going to happen. That's, that's just around the corner. It was about getting the host pipe and getting into the vehicle. And I had bought the duct tape and everything to just take my life. I thought this was it. I cannot offer my family anything. I cannot offer the community anything. I cannot offer my church anything because I'm down and out. And in that hopeless time, the enemy plays tricks on you, you know. You've got people around you saying, no, you're not. You can get up and they're trying to encourage you, but you, you actually just blot that out. It's words that are going in the one ear and out the other ear. It's not like reality to you. Your reality is the situation that you're in. And I can only thank the, God, the Lord above that I never went through with it because honestly, it was a reality to me. I had planned everything. 
and God and the people will know, yeah, and I'm not going to go into the rest of it, but God supernaturally turned many, many things around. Once I came back to him and I said, God, forgive me for being hopeless, for not living and standing on your word, but looking at circumstances, looking at people judging me and not what you say about me. You know, people can say anything about you. It means nothing. It's what God says about you that actually counts. And God restored. At the moment now, I own a business just down the road here. On tap, we've um, uh, expanded to Amtata and Queenstown and King. And God has been awesome, you know. He has. It's been an incredible journey over the last six years. So I'm talking from a personal testimony point of view, no matter what you're facing here this evening. I've been there. I've been there if you don't have work. I've been there if you feel this is a dead end. I've been there if you feel that there's no way out. You want to take your life. I've been there. I've been in those shoes. But I can tell you honestly that God releases hope and he turns situations around for his glory. Not for mine. It's got nothing to do with me. I'm just the vessel. I'm just the one used. It's for his glory. So I just want to give him glory this evening that I can stand here in front of you. And I count it a privilege and honor that I can bring the word this, this evening. So let's just pray. Let's just close our eyes. Father, we thank you for this evening, Father. Father, we thank you that it's not a coincidence that each one of us is here this evening. Father, you have a divine appointment and purpose for each person here, Father. I pray, Lord, that whatever I say tonight will bring you glory and honor. Father, let it not be my words. Let it be yours. Let it lift and build and edify your people, Father. I release hope this evening, Father, into every situation that your people face. And I thank you, God, that you are the God of hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what are we to do in these situations? Like I've, I've sketched you about my past. I think one thing that, that I discovered in that time is that sometimes we need to stop in the middle of our storm and acknowledge who God is and the power that he has. You got it? We need to stop in that situation. If you're going through anything at the moment that seems dark and you've, and you've lost your hope, you have to stop in the, in the middle of that storm and acknowledge who God actually is. Trust his promises from his word. Prophesy into the moment of that storm and align ourselves with the word of God. Okay? So you need to stop, acknowledge God. Say, God, I know you are. You are a good God. And I know that you have good plans and purposes for me. You need to acknowledge him. Trust in what he says in his word. Physically prophesy that word into you to build your spirit and your inner man up. And align yourself with the word of God. So what is the biblical definition of hope? What is the biblical definition of hope? Hope is the joyful anticipation of good. The joyful anticipation of good for every situation that we face. The Word of God also says to desire something with confident expectation of its fulfillment. So as to desire something out there, you know, it could be your vision for your life or your working career, or maybe you're single tonight. Yeah, I know there are a couple of single ladies. She's not looking at me now. But there's quite a few single ladies, and your desire is to have a partner or to have someone. There's a couple of single men too. Your desire is to... (laughs) 
is to have a relationship. Okay, so it's to desire something with confident expectation of its fulfillment. So if you're hoping for that, it's not, I'm hoping, uh, I don't think it will happen. I'm too old. I'm too thin. Can't say I'm too fat. You know, that would be... So it's designed that and it's, it's, it's designed the fulfillment of that, okay? And we've been prepared for the situation and God always has the answer. You know, our life doesn't take, you know, the, the journey of our life doesn't take God by surprise. You know, we could think at today and say, oh, you're, you know, I've sinned there, I've done this, I've done that, I've been good in that. I've actually impressed God. You haven't impressed Him. You haven't surprised Him. He knows you better than you know yourself, the word says. And it may seem like a hopeless situation, but God is never caught off guard or by surprise. Isaiah 40, I just want to read that to, to us. It's not in the, in the overhead there quickly. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31, if you've got your Bible, says the following. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Even young men, they stumble and they fall. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So God is saying there that you will renew your strength. You will renew this, your strength. There are no hopeless situations for God. There's no hopeless situation. There's only hopeless people. God is a God of hope. Any area of our lives, listen to this, for which we have no hope is under the influence of a lie. Someone said. Any area of our lives for which we have no hope is under the influence of a lie. Okay. So I want to release hope over you, really, in your situations. That is the aim of this evening. God knows the future, and I believe that God wants to release hope over each and every one of you. And if you're sitting here this evening, you are not alone. You are not the only ones that have felt hopeless in certain situations. If I looked into the Bible, there's a lot of heroes within the Bible that they had times when they wanted to give up, that they were at that bridge of giving up, where they lost hope. And some example of those, if you look in the Word, you can read it yourself, is Job in his situation. Moses, Jonah, you remember Jonah, Jeremiah, and even the powerful prophet in the Old Testament, Elijah. All of those, let's say, warriors of the Lord in the Bible at certain stages lost their, their, their hope. So you're not alone. I don't want to bring conviction. You're not alone. The enemy will always come and try to rob us of our hope and convince us that we are on a, a dead-end road, that we have no hope or because of what we have done, we can't have hope. So I want to say this evening, and I want to cancel a lie here, is that losing hope is actually unbelief. If you don't have hope, you're actually believing. You, you are siding with the enemy. If you have hope, you're aligning yourself with God and his promises. So in every situation, we release hope into it. Humans have a definition of, of hope, and Matt will like this one, that are different from God's. We might hope one day that the Springboks win a game. So that's like a hope. That's like a human hope. Okay. 
and we all chuckle. Or we might hope that we don't lose our current work or our contract that we've got. Or we hope that our house doesn't burn down while we're sitting here this evening. But the biblical definition of hope is not a hope so, but a no-so. A capital K-N-O-W, a no-so. It's something that you can stand on. It's not a hope so. Our hope in God is surer than the sun rising tomorrow morning. That's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So where, where is our hope found? And I mentioned it earlier. Our hope is found primarily in the Word of God. This is where our hope is found. It is in the Bible. And if you were at church about two weeks ago or last week, Sunday morning, Stephen spoke about certain things that we need to put place in our life. And one of them was about what? Having spending time in the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Let it soak over you. Meditate on the Word of God in your quiet time. Why? Because it releases a hope. It releases a positivity. It, re- it makes you face the darkness with more boldness. So Psalm 11974 says, I have put my hope in your word. Psalm 135 also says, in his word, I put my hope. Here is real hope. When a person reads, amen, just ignore that. When a person reads, I've lost my place now. I rebuke you. When a person reads and believes the word of God, they can know for certain that they have a secure and certain future in him. There is nothing on this earth more certain than hope in God. He will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. He is our anchor in the present and for the future. So I'm going to go into two stories now, and I I just want to touch on something. I spoke to Linda just before we started, and there was a lady that she left church this morning and she bumped into, and I don't, I don't know her name, but Linda didn't feel like going up this morning, but she said she, she just got drawn to, to like move out of the service. She didn't really know why. And the right time that she was entering the shopping mall, that lady came out and she had time to talk to her. So it was a God appointment. The lady says to her, Linda, and I hope I can share this. You can shout at me afterwards. The lady says to her that she had gone with Linda through certain things with cancer, that cancer has come back stage four. Wouldn't you say that's a hopeless situation? But Linda was there to be able to encourage her to speak into her life and, and to share about the God of miracles. But sometimes God doesn't heal. Why do I say that? I have a friend that we just buried in Queenstown on, on Monday, Marley, 42-year-old beautiful girl, lady, and um, she was in our church when I lived in, lived in Queenstown. And um, she had cancer. It went away. It, it, it was, um, um, what's the stages? It was in remission. Yeah, thank you. And then about a couple of months ago, it came back. And the doctor basically told Mornane Muddy, listen, do what you have to do because it's at that stage. Go on your holidays and everything. And on Monday, on Sunday actually, she was at church and one of my friends even saw her there. She was battling. It had, it had come back and it was serious, but she was still at church, so she wasn't bed, bedridden. On Monday, she just had internal bleeding and uh, things just didn't look good. Uh, they went to the doctor um, in Queenstown, and as you know, Queenstown is a small town. They recommended that he rushes her through to Bloom. He was going at about 180. On his way, just before Ruval, she actually died 
in the seat right next to him. And, you know, you say, you know, what do I say to Monet? How do I release hope with that situation? I can only say in that situation that God loves you and, and God is there with you in the sorrow, you know. In the sorrow, he doesn't leave us. He's, he's there in every single situation, you know. But what I can celebrate and what I can testify about her is she loved Jesus. She loved him with a passion. And she's with him now. So I can't answer you why some people get healed and why some don't. But God wants us always to hope for that healing, to trust in that healing. And she's in that place now with him. She's celebrating. So I just thought I'd share that with you, just to encourage you that there are no hopeless situations. Even though you would think Marley's not here, she's got an eight-year-old daughter. But it's God's plan and purposes. You know, it's not for us to judge that. It's for us to love the people and to say that God is there in every situation. And Mornay is such a, such, a, um, such a testimony to God's love because he, he just shared about how God just brought them so close together, you know, at the end. And um, that he knows Marley's at peace and, and, and with God and how much she, she was suffering and how much he loves God. So, you know, it's, it's our reaction sometimes to situations too. You know, that could have robbed him of, of hope, of joy, of peace. But he came with the opposite spirit and he's trusted in God. So I just want to commend Mornay too this, this evening. But anyway, I just want to share in the word of God two hopeless situations. Now, the first one we're going to get up now is the woman caught in adultery. Now, this is a beautiful story. And I want to emphasize about the sin part. The woman was caught in adultery, so there, there were sin issues. So number one, she was hopeless because of the sin that she had let come into her life. Secondly, she was in a hopeless situation because uh, um, the law at the time was that you will be stoned if you're caught in that way of life, in that type of lifestyle. So she faced two hopeless situations. One, that she was going to lose her life. Secondly, that she was sinning and, and that she didn't know God. She didn't have him in her heart. So let's just read what the word of God says there. A woman caught in adultery. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teacher of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? You see, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. 
Isn't that beautiful, you know? The repentance and just the forgiveness. If one person could have accused her, was Jesus. It's funny there that it says the people slipped away from the oldest to the youngest. Why do you think the oldest? Quite a lot more sins maybe in the oldest than in the youngest. Eh? Just a thought. They wanted to share, shame the woman in, in public and for them to appear self-righteous. This is the leaders of the day. They thought that they had placed Jesus between a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, if Jesus said no stoning, they'd accuse him of breaking the law of Moses. Not so. On the, on, on the other hand, if Jesus condoned the stoning of the woman, then they would quickly run to the Roman authorities and tell them that Jesus is breaking the Roman law where only the Roman authorities could condemn and kill someone at that stage. So the hope is that even if you're caught in a serious sin in a situation and maybe where you've messed up like me seven years ago, and at a time of public shame and humiliation, there is always room for forgiveness. There is always room for forgiveness and restoration. The key here is that Jesus tells her from now on, sin no more. Sin no more. That is a picture of repentance. Jesus was the only one who was without sin. And as I said, had the right to stone her. Instead, he said, neither do I condemn you. If we look at Gideon, a second story. Gideon, the, the underdog. Now, I believe God loves an underdog. I love stories, don't you, about the unlikeliest hero or heroine who wins the battle at the end. We all like those type of movies. Eh? If you do, just put up your hand just to make sure you're not sleeping. Okay. Gideon is the perfect example of the underdog, but God often chooses those who the world has little expectations of so that God can receive the glory of the situation that he turns around, just like my story. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. O mighty man of valor. He wasn't that at that stage. This came during a time, listen to this, when Israel had fallen into disobedience and God had allowed the Medanites to oppress them. You know that when the harvest was, was ripe, they, they would turn the soil, they would plant the seed, they would water the seed, the harvest would just come right and what would happen? They, the Midianites would come from the hills and they would plunder the land. So whatever they had, had with the sweat of their brow, toiled to, to, to receive a harvest, it was stolen from, from out of them over and over again. So Israel, they, they say in the word, was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help in Judges 6.6. 6. So the Lord turned to him, this is Gideon, and he said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not, do not I send you. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Who am I? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. The story goes on, and you can read it yourself, that he with 300 farmers, mainly shepherds, could destroy 135,000 seasoned, hardened war veterans. Gideon was the least in his clan, number one. So I'm asking you tonight, are you maybe the least in your clan? He was the runt of the litter. I'm not going to ask you that. He is in hiding when the angel of the Lord approaches him. So he's hiding away, but God says, O man of valor, 
or you may be hiding from him tonight. But yet he is called Almighty Man of Valor. The point is God sees what sorry, the point is God sees what is before it even exists. So God sees things before it's in the now. He's seen in the future. It's almost like God sees, you know, the prophecies come true in the future. Like if you prophesy over over someone, you're actually um, talking about their future. You're bringing the future into the present. So God knows the future and he speaks as if it's already the present. So I just want to show a little movie now that I've got just to release hope. And then I'm just going to end off with some biblical truths about hope. Hope. It is said that the human body can withstand three weeks without food. You can go over three days without drinking. You can go three minutes without oxygen. But how long can a human soul exist without hope? Hope is the oxygen of the human soul. And you may be wondering how much longer you can take this. How much longer you can survive in your desperate situation. Hopelessness comes in abusive situations. Maybe that's you today. Hopelessness comes when we lose our job, when we don't know where our next paycheck, hey, we may not even know where our next meal is coming from. Maybe that relationship that you're in is so hopeless and so broken that you have no idea how you would ever have hope once again. The hope that you desperately want is not found in another relationship with another broken human being. It's not having more money so that you could buy yourself out of this situation. You will not be able to escape your problems with drugs and alcohol. And certainly, listen to me, certainly ending your own life through suicide will not solve the problem. If that's you, would you just give me just a couple moments to talk with you? I want to tell you that there is a road that leads from hopelessness back to hope. The hope that you are looking for is found in a relationship. You see, we know that God loves us. The reason we know this is because He sent Jesus into the world. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. And while he was here, he was surrounded by hopeless people who came to him for help. And here is what he said to them. Come to me, all you who are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. How does he do that? He did that by dying on a cross to bring hope to each one of us. He wants to help you today. And he makes the promise that if we come to him, he will restore our souls. The only thing that you have to do is to begin talking to him and he will come and restore your hope. Biblical hope creates an atmosphere that your faith grows in and it attracts the promises of God. Biblical hope creates an atmosphere that your faith grows in and it attracts the promises of God. So I just want to end off with a few um, biblical hopes that I, that I want to just speak over you guys this, this evening. First of all, redemptive hope. You can just follow on the board there. 
Put your hope in the Lord, for the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Psalm 137. If you are a believer, you can be rest assured this evening, if you've invited Jesus Christ into your heart, that God loves you, his unfailing love, and God has designed his redemption from sin with his blood. When our hope is in the Lord and not in us, it is a rock-solid hope. Secondly, a gift of hope. Psalm 119.49 says, For you have given me hope. Our only real sustaining hope comes from the Lord. And then future hope. We all know this one well. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and, to, and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So God has a plan and a purpose for you. You can bank on that. His plans are not intended to harm you, but to prosper you. There's also in the word of God, unending hope. Psalm 131.3 says, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. It's unending. Hope is for now. It's for today. It is for tomorrow also. This hope is the believer's hope that covers your eternal life. It is without end and will stay with us until Jesus comes back one day. Then there's lovely hope. Psalm 147.11 says, The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. He wants us to depend upon him. He wants to delight over us. Romans 8.28 also says, All things work together for the good. There's also unashamed hope. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. Psalm 25.3 If we have our hope in the right place, that is not in ourselves, our jobs, or our circumstances, but in God alone, we will never be disappointed. There's also courageous hope. Psalm 31, 24. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. When God is our hope, you have the sure thing. If our hope comes from the world, then we are consumed with worry because we don't know what is around the corner. We also have a protective hope. Psalm 33:20 We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and he is our shield. He is our protection. We also have a restful hope. Psalm 62:5 says, "Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him." And you know in my life often I've had times that I've wrestled and um, have you have you ever been like just wanting to fall asleep, but things are going through through your mind and you're wrestling and you're anxious about tomorrow and what lies ahead and the many what-ifs that play in your mind and you worry about the next situation and the things that you should have done that you haven't done. But worrying about tomorrow, someone said, is borrowing trouble from tomorrow and spending it on today. I'm going to read that again. Worrying about tomorrow is borrowing trouble from tomorrow and spending it on today. When you realize that the tomorrow is already taken care of by God alone and the hope you have in him, then you can find that peaceful rest. Okay, in conclusion, just the last one there. So my story shows the power of the blood of Jesus. My present hope demonstrates the absolute love, affection, and purpose of God at work in my life. And my future hope is drawing me into a hope-filled Life that has purpose and keeps on reflecting on earth as it is in heaven. Your will, Lord, be done in my life. So the Christian faith is not a hope-so hope, but a no-so hope. 
It's not like the hope of the world which disappoints, but rather it's a hope anchored in God and the word of God and in the God who can do all things.